0: The no and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate
1: it. Uh, I talked earlier about what's happening in New York. Um, I've been a fierce defender of the Second Amendment for a couple of reasons. First of all, because um, it's there for a reason. But secondly, I think the attack on trying to stop crimes when people are committing violent crimes, whether it's with a gun or it's with a Molotov cocktail or it's with a vehicle or a knife, Um, We have to focus more on the criminal. The way we have reduced car crashes is we don't say to people, you're not allowed to drive cars that go too fast. We penalize the people that we catch that are doing it. Drunk drivers. We don't put interlock devices in everybody's car, although that would dramatically reduce DUIs. We don't expect innocent people to behave like um, convicted criminals. If you're convicted of a DUI, part of your punishment is an interlock device that you have for a certain amount of time that you have to blow into to start your car and blow into it at intervals while you're driving to keep the motor running to show you're not intoxicated. And if you blow into that tube and it's found that you are intoxicated and it won't start your car, that also registers. And if that happens too often, they'll leave the device in your car longer and so there's just certain norms that we have in society, and it isn't it's for the it's for the purpose of punishing people that have done the wrong thing. When you lump everybody in as a potential criminal because you own a gun, there's where the problem lies. The governor of New York uh, basically saying there is no such thing as a good guy with a gun is absolutely absurd. I'll let you hear it one more time, but I want to go to something local in a moment. This is the governor of New York.
2: We don't need guns on our streets. We don't need people carrying guns in our subways. We don't need people carrying guns in our schools. We don't need people carrying guns in our places of worship. We don't need them carrying them into guns, into bars or restaurants, that only make people less safe. This whole concept that a good guy with a gun will stop the bad guys with a gun, it doesn't hold up.
1: <laughs> it doesn't hold up. How many, how many examples do you think have now been sent to her on social media of how wrong she is? Because that's absolutely wrong. The idea that only government entities such as police officers and soldiers um, or troops, I should say, should carry guns is anti-American. It's why the Second Amendment is there to start with. But now I want you to hear something else because I want to shift in this. We had the interim county attorney on with us um, the other day, yesterday I believe it was, and we were talking about policy changes and how they are going after people that commit gun crimes. And the policy would put mandatory jail sentences for people that carry guns so the challenger the democratic challenger for that office is uh, her name is Julie Gunnagal, a uh, very nice woman had her in the studio we don't agree on a whole lot but she was on with Gatos and Chad I believe and she was being she was asked will this plan work and here was her reply
2: no absolutely not nobody goes out and commits an act of gun violence but first consults the county attorneys both plea offers and plea policies
1: Right. Just like they don't follow any gun law, which is why new gun laws don't stop convicted felons. But what is fascinating about this is how she goes on to talk about how we stop gun violence. This is a candidate for the county attorney's office.
2: Our county is not the only county that is afflicted with gun violence. So what we should be doing is bringing in data-driven measures that we know have ex- have succeeded elsewhere. One of the things that we can do is we can develop anti-violence norms, especially in our directly impacted communities. And these norms consist of having intervention programs that not just change the culture, but provide the resources for communities to not rely on violence as an option. That's what I mean when I say that we're going to treat gun violence at its root cause, and as a public health crisis that it is.
1: So, we have got to establish anti-violent norms and data-driven measures. This is all great. I, I got to tell you, the, uh, great ideas, but not from the person that enforces the laws. The person that we hire to prosecute criminals. Uh, we want them doing the psychologist work. Once they get to you, once they've committed the violent crime, victims expect you to punish them, not coddle them, not counsel them, not figure out why they're angry at society and why their mom didn't love them enough. We have an expectation that when they go through these criminal and I'm not I'm not mocking steps to stop this from happening in our society. If we can intervene, you want to know this? I'm not someone. That is uh, a lifesaver by any stretch of the imagination. But I will tell you that um, the reason why I coached my brother's sports teams and carried on after he he quit playing, um, the reason why I got involved in the lives of young men on football teams, I should say young kids. We had a couple of girls that played with us as well. Young kids is because – The role models for me that kept me from falling off the deep end that I looked up to and that I admired, I wanted to be that for someone. You can't tell me that you can't make a difference by intervening in a young person's life that has it rough and give them something to look forward to. I still have kids. When I say kids, now they're adults with kids of their own kids i coached that call me coach it is the biggest compliment next to the phrase dad or papa that I, I that i that i've ever been called so i believe in those measures but when you're the chief prosecutor of the county All of this mumbo-jumbo about harsh punishments, no one plans on or commits a crime based on the punishment. No, but the fact of the matter is this. When you lock somebody up, it serves three purposes. Three purposes for locking somebody up. One of them is punishment. You've done something that society has deemed wrong, and I would say violent crimes are definitely wrong. You've done something that society deems wrong, and for that, you're going to be punished. Secondly, it is separation that we as a civil society – have a right to be safe. And when people have proven themselves to be violent toward innocent people, we deserve to have them separated for us so we can live a safer lifestyle. So the longer those repeat offender violent criminals are locked up, the safer we are. And lastly is rehabilitation. And that is mostly up to the person that's been convicted of a crime. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So the idea that these plans won't work is a political statement that I don't agree with. We are watching – we are watching – things like let's establish anti-violent norms and data driven this and that that's what they're doing in LA county with George Gascone that's what George Gascone did in up in uh, San Francisco by the way the new district attorney in San Francisco wiped out what the old di- district attorney did as far as plea agreements goes for vi- violent criminals you look at the big complaints about the prosecutors in New York City with the spike in crime there i'm not heartless i'm not soulless i believe in rehabilitation but we, as a society, believe believe we have a right to not have criminals among us. That if you've committed a crime, you're going to be punished for it, and we need to be safer with separating those people from civil society until they can learn to behave themselves. This, the idea from New York that there's no such thing as a good guy with a gun, is absurd. The mayor of New York saying we're going to go door to door and knock on doors to find out what kind of people gun owners are. And now we've got a potential county attorney in Maricopa County that goes out there and says a policy that says if you commit a gun crime, you're going to go to prison doesn't work. And we need to have established anti-violence norms. That's a great thing to do. Not from the county attorney's office. The county attorney's office is an enforcement branch of our government. I'm all for anti violent norms. But when you get to the point where you've committed an act of violence, I want somebody in that office that is going to punish those criminals. And it just worries me when we hear someone say they're not going to do that. All right, we get you caught up in a minute on the biggest news stories of the day. We call it Did You Hear This? We'll do it in a
0: moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get you caught up. Busy, busy day. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories.
2: Last night, President Biden gave a speech meant to unify the country.
0: I'm asking our nation to come together, unite behind the single purpose of defending our democracy regardless of your ideology.
2: Did he get his message of unity across? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's the great unifier. He's uh a... uh, I, I don't understand i that if that if the rest of the speech would have followed that and talked about political differences and we need to have faith in our elections that would have been a different story but the demonization of people calling people dangerous there is already a political divide as wide as the Grand Canyon in this country and as deep and we trying to come together I try to bridge the gap with people it's not going to work with some I try to understand the other side of the aisle even when I disagree I want to have a reasonable conversation about why I disagree, but to take to a podium and say, these people are dangerous, and they're a threat to our democracy, and you are scaring the heck out of people, you are making us further apart, and what you're doing is angering those very people that you're calling dangerous. For all of the people out there that thought the words of Donald Trump during his presidency were dangerous and divisive and taking us in the wrong direction, unless you just think, well, he's right, if the shoe fits, is what I saw on social media today, (laughs) of course, then it's okay. okay to say it the way he did. I completely disagree. He did not do the right thing, and I think it did more damage
0: than good by a long shot.
2: President Biden also spoke today on the state of the economy.
0: The bottom line is jobs are up, wages are up, people are back to work. And we're seeing some signs that inflation may be, maybe, I'm not overpromising it, maybe beginning to ease.
2: What is your take on the outlook of the economy?
1: Um, I think that we are continuing to see high inflation, and I think as long as we continue to spend the money the way we're spending money, they can keep doing the shell game of deficit reduction, and this money's eaten up here and there. We are taking in more money in the United States Treasury than we ever have before. It's been going on month after month after month, even with tax cuts that were put in place. So the Treasury is has got a lot of money. We are spending too much money. The United States government needs to reel it back in. As I'm the old Ronald Reagan saying, you know, that uh, inflation isn't high because americans are living too well it's because the government is living too well we need to reel it in and we need to make sure we do what we can for the american citizen raising taxes on any sector of our people is wrong and i think the overregulation is another big problem so i don't see any real results in reduction of any of this in the future until we see policy changes you are listening to. Did you hear this? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines.
2: White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre spoke on the low test scores in elementary schools stu- uh, that students had due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It shows you how mismanaged uh, the pandemic was uh, and how the impact of that mismanagement had on the cho- on, on kids' progress and academic well-being. So who is to blame for students' low Come test on. scores?
1: Are you kidding? Uh, well, I would say, first of all, this has been a problem long before COVID. Uh, Let's be honest. We have not educated our children properly in the core curriculums. We are behind the industrialized world. We are behind other uh, major nations in education where we should never be. And so this has been a systemic problem for a long time. COVID-19 and the shutdowns truly made that acceleration faster than anybody could have expected. But does anybody out there that's been watching when COVID started, who it was that was shutting down schools? The teachers' unions shut down the schools. They were the ones advising on policy with the Biden administration to shut them down. Teachers organizations in Arizona did sick outs and protests and flashlights and all kinds of other stuff to show how dangerous opening up schools would be. They intentionally closed schools down. And now to say that this is the Trump administration's fault, there's not a soul that believes that. And it's funny that they even say it.
2: New York Governor Kathy Hochul made a statement about gun owners on Wednesday. This whole concept that a good guy with a gun will stop the bad guys with a gun... It doesn't hold up. How do you feel about
1: that statement? <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Uh, you know, I just... Uh, now, does she mean... And someone needs a clarification. Is she talking about civilians? She's still wrong if she says civilians. She's still absolutely wrong about it. But is she saying even the police? Because how many examples have we seen where the police do the right thing and save a lot of people? What about members of the military that have gone on, uh, on missions of saving people? This is an absurd statement to be made. And it showed. But what it does show you, as I've said all along, largely, not completely, largely, the gun control crowd is from a place of emotion and ignorance, not stupidity, ignorance. They don't know anything about gun owners. They don't know anything about getting guns themselves. And they're making laws and they're passing laws out of a position of complete ignorance on the subject. That's what makes it dangerous. Man, I'm glad Friday's almost over. I'm ready for the weekend. Uh, Good job, Julia. Great week. Coming up in a moment, we're going to do we'll talk a little bit more, expand a little bit more on the president's speech last night for the last time today um, because I still think Americans are trying to process all of this. And one of my favorite places to look because of the extremes is on social media and the appearance on social media and what people have to say about this really funny in my mind. As long as you take it with a grain of salt because it's Twitter, it's actually funny. But you'll hear more of what the president said and how a lot of people are feeling about it next.
0: and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. You know
1: you did it. You did the Vogue while you were driving when this song came on. You know you did. Happy Friday. We are moments away from our, about 25 minutes away from our weekend. Um, I want to lay out a case with what time I have left. I love... This is the part I love about social media. I'm having some debates with people that I have no idea who they are. I couldn't pick them out of a crowd. But we we um we do have debates on and off on social media during commercials. I am one of those I'm on my phone, then I'm on the computer, then I'm doing something else because I love the I love the debate. It's why I like this job. Get to talk to people I'd never meet in a million years. And and if it's a civil debate, even if you disagree with me passionately, I'm all in on the conversation. I love it. Um and I want to lay out a case. What the president did last night was no less angry, no less divisive than anything Donald Trump ever did. There's just some of you that agree with the basic sentiment, so you don't see it as inflammatory. But I can promise you the people on the other side of the aisle are highly insulted that we would be lumped in with what this president said. Now, the qualification is, as he says, MAGA Republicans. Well, what's a MAGA Republican? I voted for the guy twice. Voted for him twice. Does that make me a MAGA Republican? So let's lay out some of the things that have happened. They keep screaming January 6th. I agree. January 6th was despicable in what happened on January 6th. But would you or would you not agree that that was a mostly peaceful protest? The majority of the people that were there stayed outside. It was a small number compared to the size of the crowd that went into that. So by definition, the way they defined the BLM protests, this was a mostly peaceful protest. If one Republican legislator had taken to the streets or to the microphones, if I had come on the air and said the day after that horrible incident happened, it was a mostly peaceful protest, they probably would have thrown me off the air. Because what happened was despicable. Now, if you want to say the difference is they were breaking into a government building and the violent people in BLM protests were only breaking private property, you got a weird argument to, to get with me. I think it's horrible that they attacked the Capitol, by the way. I think the whole thing was horrible. But they called it a mostly peaceful protest, and these were ranking members of our government at the time. These were elected leaders, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Chuck Schumer, taking to the streets for, whether it, for multiple things, called them mostly peaceful protests. The vice president of the United States, when she was a United States senator, raised money to pay the bail of people that had been arrested during those protests for looting and burning and destroying and vandalizing. Can you imagine what would have happened? What would happen if a Republican in the House or the Senate was actively raising bail money for the people that are locked up about January 6th? So I'm trying to give you a different perspective on the other side of the aisle. How would you have responded to that? And I mean that honestly. How would you have responded if you had uh, Rand Paul or Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio, if any of those senators, Scott from Florida, if they had gone out and raised money to pay for the bail of people that were locked up for January 6th, and yet the vice president of the United States did it? just another side of the coin that you have to take into consideration. And lastly, how about this when you want to talk about dangerous in the eyes of people. Some people whether you agree with it or not. In the inflation reduction act, there is a provision that har- that hires, trains and arms 87,000 IRS agents. The video out there in the training video that has been put out there that was not a made-up video, it's an actual training video, shows new IRS agents armed to the teeth with the very rifles that they want to take out of my closet, out of my gun safe. And they're giving those rifles to brand-new IRS agents, and they're training them in the video to take down a landscape company that doesn't pay all the taxes on the vehicles he bought or something. So if you want to talk about dangerous behavior, divisive behavior, uh, uh, putting fear in the hearts of Americans, this is a two-way street. It is a two-way street. This is what President Biden said in September of 2020 when he wanted the job of president.
0: I plan to unite the nation. I'm running as a Democrat, but I'm going to be everyone's president. I'm not going to be a Democratic president. I'm going to be America's president.
1: I'm going to be America's president. That was not America's president last night. He took about 70 million people and lumped them together. And I acknowledge, I, I have always acknowledged that there is a fringe part of either political party for, uh, for what you guys say the angry, proud boys are. What's Antifa? You think those are Republicans? You know, it, that there is an acknowledgment that there are angry people – bent on violence on both sides of the political aisle. And when you have the president stand up and lump so many people in, uh, how does he define, uh, you know, you may have your own definition of a MAGA Republican. How does the president divide them or, or uh, define them? Because last night there was no definition. Last night he went after people and called them dangerous. You marginalize someone by calling them names. They're crazy conspiracy theorists. Look, we're, the, the COVID-19 thing, which I might talk about because of schools in a minute before we close it out. The COVID-19 thing, I've never seen anger like this in my life. I was so middle of the road on this because, you know what? I'm a kind of go along to get along guy. I work for a company. that I've said today I love very, very much. I didn't like their COVID policies. I didn't like the fact that I'd been vaccinated and boosted and I still had to wear a mask. You know what? I did because my boss said I had to didn't like it, didn't complain about it every day, but I didn't like it. But the anti mask people that said, I'm not going anywhere. I have to wear a mask deemed crazy. If you didn't wear a mask, people would approach you and call you a horrible person. There was belief that if you didn't get vaccinated and didn't vaccinate your children, you should lose your children. You should lose your job and your livelihood. And that was a real, real thing. Listen to Aaron Rodgers talk about vaccinated versus unvaccinated in the NFL and how they were treated. So we know this division exists and we know this anger exists. But what turned out to be with COVID-19, everybody out there that was so crazy about masks and crazy about vaccines, you turned out to be wrong. Vaccines didn't prevent anything. I'm not saying they're not valuable. They didn't prevent the spread, as we were told. And this whole thing about masks, all of it, and the anger in this country. And now here we're doing it again. This was the president that got elected, got hired by the American people to be the peacemaker. There was nothing he did last night that made him a peacemaker. Nothing that made him a peacemaker. In a moment, I've got just an update. Something about schools. I want to talk about the schools and school closures and an update from the National Institute of Health. If you didn't hear it before, you're going to laugh when you hear it now. It's all coming up.
0: Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. A few minutes left
1: in the show. Um, I want you to hear uh, a couple of very funny things about school closures. Not that there's anything funny about school closures, but this is now the stance of the Biden administration on school closures and who's at fault.
2: So let's step back to where we were not too long ago when this president walked into this administration. How mismanaged the pandemic, the response to the pandemic was. How 47% of school schools were in less than 6 months uh, our schools went from 40 per, 46% uh, to to open to nearly all of them being open to full time that was the work of this president and that was the work of democrats in spite of republicans not voting for uh, the american rescue plan so.
1: Um, Republicans are at fault for school closures. Even Democrats got to laugh. If you listen to this show and you don't necessarily agree with me on most things, I appreciate that more than you know. I take that as a bigger compliment. Um, if you're just listening for what the other side believes. But – you can't possibly believe that it was the fault of Republicans that schools were closed. You can you have to at least laugh a little bit at that narrative. At least I hope you have a sense of humor and laugh at that narrative a little bit. Because now I want you to hear a real ad from the DNC, the Na- uh, Democratic National Committee. This was how they went after Trump who wanted to be reelected in 2020.
0: New cases in a single day. 4 million cases desperate to reopen schools because He thinks it will save his re-election. We have to open the schools. Critical shortage of PPE. Threatening their funding. When they don't open their schools, we're not going to fund them. Ignoring how the virus spreads. Risking teachers' and parents' lives. Going against the advice of experts. It's had very little impact on young people. Do you trust him to do what's best for our children? Because this is not a test. Trump is failing. I
2: aced it. I aced
0: the test.
1: Yeah, that was the ad in 2020 against the Trump reelection because, oh, he tried to open the schools and now they're saying he's the one that closed them. Uh, it's, it is, we are living in a Twilight Zone episode. And here's the proof. On the, uh, if you can go to the National Institute of Health, the NIH website, their COVID 19 treatment guidelines, ant- antiviral therapy. Um, it's got summary uh, remdesivir, um, Paxlovid, uh, interferons. And how did this get here? I want, I want, you know, I want you to ask yourself how this got here. Are you ready? On the National Institute of Health's recommended treatments for COVID-19, or, or ones at least it says a treatment guidelines, um, is uh, ivermectin. Yeah, it's on the list. Remember all of the people out there that wanted to use ivermectin as a treatment, and they were mocked online. They were mocked online. That is a horse dewormer. So you people won't put a tested vaccine in your body, but you're going to use a horse medicine, a veterinary vet medicine. You people are crazy. And that hydroxychloroquine, and I didn't use either one, by the way. I got vaccinated. Like the rest of the dopes out there. I got vaccinated. I got vaccinated and boosted because I was told that it's the one way to prevent the spread of COVID-19. When we get the majority of people vaccinated in this country, we will prevent the spread of COVID-19. And it didn't. We also were told that ivermectin doesn't work, that ivermectin is not a treatment for COVID-19. And now it's on the National Institute of Health website. I just the absurdity of where we live today. So at the very least, for everybody out there, do you not understand if you were part of the crowd screaming at the Americans that didn't want to wear a mask or put their kids in masks in school, the absurdity of what we did last winter, last winter, they were going to cancel winter sports in Arizona and they didn't because parents were going to start their own leagues. So what they did was they allowed winter sports, basketball, soccer, and wrestling. But the competitors had to wear a mask while competing. So the absurdity of of soccer being outside and basketball is one thing. But a wrestling match is three two-minute periods. So for six minutes, you are in constant contact with your opponent face-to-face, breathing heavy because it is a very strenuous sport. And they had to wear a mask while wrestling. Don't you feel a little bit silly? Well, no, we were doing our best, but you were wrong and you demonized everybody that disagreed with you. And now Ivermectin is on the uh, is on the National Institute of Health website. I'll take that with you over the weekend. I'll be back on Tuesday. I hope you have a great Labor Day. Looking forward to relaxing myself. I hope you're going to do the same. We'll be back on Tuesday morning around 8 o'clock. And until then, I hope you have a great weekend plan. Take care of yourself. God bless.